All right, welcome, welcome to a, another episode of the uh, Beyond the Bar podcast. Um, I'm your host here, Coach Wes Kimball, and uh, got my co-host here with me, Coach Aaron Davis. How's it going? Good, good. Um, so we're excited to be back. Um, lots of stuff going on at CFA uh, in the coming weeks and months. Um, lots of stuff been happening over the the course of the last uh, weeks and months. So uh, uh, we've got just a few announcements to start off today's podcast, and then we're going to actually get into. I spent some time uh, during the five thirty, six thirty, kind of seven thirty block um, yesterday evening, asking people questions. So I think the the biggest kind of uh, feedback that we've gotten is is just getting more kind of practical information on here. Um, so, so we're, we're reaching out to the, to the community and, uh, I'll be doing that on a, on a fairly regular basis. We got a bunch of questions. Um, we're trying to keep things to about 30 minutes, so I won't be able to get all the questions that I talked, talked to people about yesterday. Um, but we're, we're going to get about four questions in today. And then on a, a few of the other ones, we may try to do some blog posts on them. So, um, uh, we want this podcast to, to kind of be a, a back and forth and informational source for folks so they uh, we can kind of get the, the common questions out to, to everybody. So uh, um, so uh, so that's what we're going to do today. But uh, like I said, before we start, um, a couple announcements to, to start off with. Um, tomorrow, which is Wednesday, August 21st, um, standard registration for the Athlete Open starts. Um, so we had our pre-registration two weeks ago on Wednesday. Uh, we sold out basically all the spots except for the pro women's spots. We need, we need some of you, uh, you badass ladies to come out and, and compete in the athlete open with us. So we've got, we've got the, uh, the pro women were the only ones that didn't sign up or didn't sell out in the pre-registration. Um, but we're opening up all the divisions, spots in all the divisions again for the standard registration. We had a limited number for um, for the pre-registration, the early bird stuff, um, but all the spots are going to be available now, starting tomorrow, uh, Wednesday at 10 a.m. So, uh, so if you're looking to to grab some spots, put a team together, um, try your first individual competition. This is a it's a great competition. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we get to play around on on the track and do some some real fun athletic stuff out there. And so we we'd love for as many of you athletes out there um, that can to to come join us on. Uh, September 28th, Saturday, September 28th for that Athlete Open. Also on that front, uh, volunteers. Uh, last year, whenever we do that stuff, we've got takes a takes kind of an army of folks to uh, to judge and and uh, you know just uh, be there to help us with the, the equipment transitions, things like that. So uh, if uh, if you're ready to uh, to, to volunteer, there's going to be a little tab on the registration. Same deal where we. Uh, we, we gather that you can you can go ahead and sign up to volunteer for the athlete open, um, and so when then once we get a little bit closer, we'll start divvying out the uh, the volunteer positions um, on that. Cool. Second thing, uh, we've got a, a little gym work day going on this Saturday. Um, we're going to start at 8 a.m. Uh, we're going to do a few of the things. We're going to uh, build some of those squat stands that have been over in the corner in the, in the old gym and uh, get them ready to. To kind of utilize them within the the the, the gym, um, Thomas is building a uh, plywood handstand push-up wall over on the blue wall. So we'll go ahead and paint that, so we have a, a fancy new place to to do our handstand push-ups that we don't 
bust through drywall when we're doing it. Um, and then we're just going to kind of do a, a general reorganization and, and kind of purge of the, uh, the, the, the old gym, the smaller gym. Um, as you guys probably have seen, the, the new gym, we've kind of been able to reorganize that, get that in, in pretty good shape. But we need to give the, the old gym, the original gym, the OG, the little uh, TLC. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing uh, this Saturday. Uh, anybody that wants to help out, stick around before or after class. We're also going to have some drinks and some barbecue uh, available for anybody that, uh, that that gives us a hand this Saturday. So, uh, um, so yeah. So if anybody, if you're around or you want to, you got some special talents. If you're pretty handy around, we'd we'd love for uh, for some help this Saturday. And then the last thing that on our announcement sheet is. Uh, you guys all know our Olympic weightlifting champion slash Olympian, Chad Vaughn. He is uh, teaming up with another uh, another uh, Team USA member um, in David Durante. And David Durante is a, uh, a gymnast. And uh, those guys are putting on a clinic uh, at the gym. It's going to be September. And I should have gotten that date right in front of me before I started. September 7th and 8th. Um, and the, the main thing that they're going to be doing is just going over a lot of technical training on gymnastic stuff and on Olympic weightlifting stuff. So, um, it's a two day, uh, seminar. It's going to be Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, it's, it's one of those deals you can't, you know, you're not going to get two professionals with as much experience and as, as, as much, um, kind of accolades and accomplishments in, in the, those two Olympic sports anywhere. So, uh, so highly recommend there's only 20 spots available, highly recommend, um, you jump on that deal. Um, obviously gymnastics and the Olympic weightlifting, those are, uh, what we like to call the biggest goats. Everybody struggles with the Olympic weightlifting and, and, uh, gymnastics that's, that are, uh, in the, in the CrossFit realm. So, uh, Highly recommend kind of getting getting your skills up and improving just your technical ability and your ability to do some of these higher higher skill movements um, in the Olympic weightlifting and gymnastics. So um, that's all I have for announcements. Aaron, do you have any announcements or any additional announcements? No, I don't think so. I think uh, we've covered all of it. Yeah, I got we're, the Southside Athletics is kind of up and running. We're um, for those of you guys that haven't uh, checked that out, um, Coach Aaron and Coach Thomas are are leading that a little bit more of a small group type training atmosphere with a more specific, uh, programming. Um, so, uh, so that's, that's been going on. We started that last week. Um, anybody that's interested in, and get a little bit more specific with their training, definitely, uh, hit up coach Aaron and, and we can kind of get you rolling with Southside athletics. Um, but, uh, besides that, we're going to try to get started today. So are you ready for this coach? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of random questions. <laughs> We have the Q and A, the Q and A. So, like I said, we've got the uh, we. I uh, I went I went straight to the people, straight to the people. No internet, no email, no social media, just straight to the source. And I just said, hey, what do you? What's your question? And so I, I I talked to about nine or ten folks yesterday, and they got me some good questions. So some stuff that we can use for for a couple of the podcasts here. Um, what, ranging from anything from curls to goal setting? Uh, <laughs> curls, goal setting. I, I actually, one, one question that, 
that we'll eventually get to is I was asked how to pick up athletic girls in the gym. And so, uh, so that, that's, 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 that's one that's a to be, to be, to be, TBD, TBD, to be determined. Um, but, uh, we did have an interesting question. So this question actually was posed to me as a joke. Um, and so, so Ash, if you don't know Ash, he's one, our resident Olympic weightlifter. Um, he's usually here in the afternoons and he asked me, uh, as a joke, you know, what's the deal with curls? Like what, what, what can I do? How can I get more curls in my program? This, that, and the other. And so I, Hey, listen, I'm, I, I like humor as much as the next guy. Um, the old, uh, the old curls for the girls joke. It's, uh, it's, it's a standby. It's a, it's a standard, right? I've made it myself many, many, many times, but it got me thinking curls have gotten a bad rap. <laughs> Bicep curls have gotten a bad rap and I don't think they deserve their bad rap. Um, I think that a bicep curl has its place in a training program. I think it is um, something that is very useful in progressions. And I, uh, I, I, I don't think that, that, that the curl should always be a laughing matter, right? I think it's something that can, can really be beneficial to folks, especially folks that are trying to improve upper body strength as they go through these training programs. So um, I'm going to basically kind of give everybody a lowdown of why curls have been the butt of all the jokes recently. And then we're going to kind of get into some of the specifics of how we can use them and kind of the biomechanics of the curl and how it can help us where we're at. So the, the way I see it is like the fitness industry, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, kind of moves in waves. So all through the like 80s, 90s, even back into the 70s, bodybuilding was kind of on the forefront of, of, uh, <clears throat> of training. And obviously any bodybuilders that you see, you know, the, what is the goal of that, right? Symmetry, hypertrophy, like, still look good. And so there's a lot of isolation work, um, a lot of isolation work, um, whether it be toe raises, calf raises, curls, um, triceps, kickbacks, all that good stuff. So, so this is kind of the, the, the beginning of kind of the fitness industry in general, yeah? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think it, it all started off uh, trying to look Hollywood, you know, since with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, but then you realize that those guys built this uh, huge chassis, but without an engine. Yeah. Nothing yeah. Be functional. It, exactly. So we've got this quote unquote unfunctional training, um, you know, very aesthetically driven training program from the bodybuilding world. And as you as you kind of move beyond that, as you get into like more of the, the 21st century a wave of, of, of what is kind of the, the fitness industry. We've got this CrossFit movement. And so with CrossFit, CrossFit tells us like everything is complex movements. You know, you want to use as many, use the body like a machine. Everything works together. Uh, no isolation, no, um, no small movements, all big movements, clean and jerk, snatches, squats, deadlifts, push presses, always using the whole body for everything. Um, and so within the context of that, Stuff like curls, stuff more isolation type work, curls, specific tricep work, you know, calf raises, uh, knee extensions, uh, hamstring curls, right, are uh, all things that, that kind of got, they threw the baby out with the bathwater. They said, all oh, those are silly. We don't need those. You just need to tra- train the body as one piece, right? So um, it's my my theory, my thought that, that, there's there's benefits to both 
Um, I think that you kind of your bread and butter of your, your training program should be those complex movements, right? Those big kind of holistic complex movements. But I do think that there's definitely a place within the context, especially as you get a little bit more specific um, with the person that you're working with for a bicep curl and for isolation of the bicep muscle and, and, and specific arm work. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you look at, uh, well, pretty much anything in life when you have spectrums of either, you know, bodybuilding world, you know, CrossFit, and then the variety in between, you start looking at people that say, no, we just do this and no, we just do that. Um, I think as a coach, you have to look at yourself as a carpenter in the sense you want as many tools in your tool bag as possible and never really say no to anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of exercises, I mean... uh, I mean, even like high pulls, uh, you know, dumbbells or a barbell sometimes get a bad rap as well. But there's never really a bad exercise. It's just how you use it in your training program and what the specific intent is, is for it. So I think people need to look at exercises more in that realm rather than good or bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, sometimes it is you, you might need a bicep curl. Yeah, yeah. And I think a perfect example of that is that, um, you know, training for athletics as a uh, as a collegiate athlete and, you know, playing football at Texas A&M, the curl was a staple. Sure. We always, we curled all the time. And, um, you know, we built, our coaches built some really, really strong MFers, right? And we put, <laughs> I mean, we put up big benches. We put up, we had tons of upper body weight. And I really attribute a lot of my upper body strength that I have now to that foundation I set back in college and kind of leading into college where we did use a ton of, of kind of auxiliary work with the arms because, uh, you know, with the upper body, you, you need a lot of variation to, to really kind of continue to, um, to, to get the stimulus that you need to continue to progress. Sure. I think, uh, also too, if you look at just even our, what we do here at the gym, um, you know, a lot of my female clients, uh, that might not have say chin-ups or pull-ups, uh, I mean, the bicep is, is part of that. And so, uh, if they can't do specific chin-ups or pull-ups, uh, granted, we have progressions off the bar as well. But uh, I'm not above giving them, you know, bicep work, curls, and stuff like that to uh, help out the process. Yeah. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, if they get their goal of getting however many chin-ups they want, I don't know if they really care about how they get there. Right. As the, the goal is uh, the main focus. So yeah. uh, definitely not above it. Yeah. So what would you say specifically is a way to, like, integrate a curl into a progression into a chin-up? Like, what's what's the benefits of that? Uh, well, you know, you can start looking at, well, like I guess you can kind of go off the biomechanics of what that curl is. And then, so if you look at how the biceps work uh, in a chin-up, they are most activated, and you can train them the best through a chin-up. Obviously, mm-hmm. it would be the first progression. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second would actually be lowering the arm in a preacher curl and to the point where your arm is parallel to the floor, uh, and then doing curls that way. Right, so preacher curl being... You know, uh, you, the, the whole machine, like you can kind of do it on the GHDs here where your your arm, your shoulders at about a 90 degree a- angle to your torso, mm-hmm. right? And then not that anybody can see what I'm doing right here. I'm acting it out <laughs> right now, but this is, this, Looks good. this is a podcast, Wes. This yeah. isn't a video podcast, right? And then curling that weight back to your shoulder mm-hmm. um, just at the elbow joint there. Sure. And then uh, the next would be lowering it down like you see most uh, people at the gym doing. Uh, their arm is lowered at their side, and they are curling up uh, to their shoulder. Uh, we use a variation where we hold the dumbbell a little bit closer into the head and rotate so that we can use both the the, uh, the muscles of the bicep. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and using those progressions with, with females or anybody that, uh, that needs it. Uh, I mean, if we look at like a, somebody who's hypermobile, uh, in the elbow joint, you know, when they put their arm out and you can tell the elbow joint kind of kicks up a little bit, that is laxity in that bicep. And if you really want a stable joint, you need to work the bicep and, uh, and though CrossFit really does use a lot of muscles and, you know, even a push up the bicep is used as an antagonist. Uh, that might not be enough to improve that laxity, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to make that joint stable. So. so with, with the bicep curl, so what, so let's say, let's, let's say you have a, uh, a client that comes to you and they're, they're super weak in kind of that upper body pulling, right? They, no chin ups. Um, what is your progression? Are, are we, are, are you starting with the curl that starts at, at the bottom? Are you going to the per- preacher curl? Are you doing a combination of both? What, what, what would you kind of be your, your uh, mode of attack for something like that? I'd probably hit uh, both. I mean, at the if we have access to doing a lot of preach curls, that would probably be the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously mixing both because we probably have to hit it probably twice a week mm-hmm. uh, and go from there. And that's that's probably in in conjunction with doing some of the, the eccentric work off the bar, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that would probably be the first and then going into some of the bicep, bicep so, stuff. So some specific, some specific work on the bar where we are you know, doing some like slow negatives mm-hmm. on the chin up, um, slow negatives, slow eccentrics, and then a little bit more specific auxiliary work with that curl, trying to build up that, that the bicep there. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if, if people think about, you know, pressing, I mean, I know this sounds weird, but the bicep works as antagonist. It keeps that joint uh, when you lower, uh, you know, your body or you lower the weight. So just like in the bench, people with strong backs can usually bench a lot better. I mean, it's right. the same thing that uh that opposite that opposite effect so um you know sometimes it's it's needed for those those situations as well very good very good cool so um so there you have it that is we are on a mission to make the curl cool again (laughs) i'm I'm gonna say it i'm gonna put it out there right now i'm not gonna make any jokes about doing curls the only time that you can make a joke about somebody doing curls are you ready for this let's see it and we, me and Danny talked about this yesterday because mm-hmm. he said his question was, when is it okay to do curls in the squat rack? And the answer is never. <laughs> okay. So we, we did curls. We're a fan of them. I've, I've used them in Southside. Um, Aaron's used them with his personal clients. So we are not above the curl. We think it's a great exercise. However, do not curl in the squat rack. If you can't pick your curling weight up off the ground, um, you've got some kind of strange deformity, maybe even some kind of sickness. You might need to see a doctor if you can't pick your curling weight up off the ground. So <laughs> the only time that it's okay to make somebody fun of somebody curling is if they're curling in the squat rack. Okay, there it is. W. That's the definitive definitive answer on curls. All right, moving on. Okay, so uh, uh, the next question that we had was specifically, I had we had some athletes um, who've been going through a pretty heavy squat cycle and they're having a little patellofemoral pain in their knee joint. And when we say patellofemoral pain, um, we're talking about pain kind of right at the top of the kneecap or underneath the kneecap, um, where the, uh, where that patella or that femoral bone in the, in the patella or your kneecap meet right at that junction. So, um, tell us Aaron a little bit about that kind of what, what are some of the causes and what are some of kind of the, the good fixes whether it be a mobility work, a strength, a strength exercise that we can to, to help kind of cool those knees off, especially when we're going through a pretty heavy squat cycle. Yeah, I mean, you can look at a lot of the causes. It kind of depends. It could be that we are very quad dominant in the exercise selection we do. Mm-hmm. Or some people, 
uh, and a lot of their movements they do just throughout CrossFit. Maybe they, they just load the quad up a little bit more. So just mm-hmm. that the tightness of the quad can be pulling on the, the knee. Uh, another one, since the guys that I know that ask the question are a little bit uh, taller, um, for them, they're probably trying to force themselves into an Olympic squat uh, in the sense of like having the very kind of almost narrow narrow stance, just slightly outside the hips and the knees out, mm-hmm. um, so they get their butt down into a better catch position. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people taller, if you think about how long their femurs are in relation to the rest of their body, that load and that tension at the knee is going to be so much greater with people that are taller. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those guys, going out to a wider stance uh, and staying out wider and, and, and learning the mobility and, and and the catch position in a wider stance actually might help them uh, relieve some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I catch this myself, trying to go into a very Chad Vaughn-esque mm-hmm. squat, uh, and uh, though mine will have to look different just because of the way I am mm-hmm. uh, I'm built, and, uh, and it's just that relationship with the femur. I mean, it's a lot of weight going into the knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely going out in a wider stance, I think, is, uh, is a definitely a, a quick fix on some of that. For sure, for sure. What a... From like a mobility standpoint, when you you see someone with kind of that that uh, that patellofemoral knee pain, what are some some kind of go tos in terms of um, mobilizations or in and around the the joint that we can do to kind of help loosen that up a little bit, kind of relieve that that pulling from the quad to the to the kneecap there. Yeah, I think uh, obviously foam rolling before, but then mm-hmm. also afterwards. I think a lot of times people. I see people do a great job of foam rolling. Uh, and this is just the simple things: the foam rolling before mm-hmm. uh, the workout, which is good. It's you know it's mm-hmm. uh, it's loosening up everything. But I think afterwards is, is probably more important for people mm-hmm. that have these chronic, um, you know, uh, like pain uh, after they get done. Because you think about a muscle that is warmed up, and then all of a sudden we do something that's going to bring tension in that muscle. Uh, well, for us to recover properly, we almost need to get right after it and try to relieve that tension right after the workout. A lot of people just get done with their workout, that tension's still there, and they go sit in their car. Yeah. And they drive back home or then go eat dinner and sit down. Uh, when reality is, we can get a lot of that tension out right after the back. Uh, that's literally what elite athletes do. They go to the massage therapist right after work to mm-hmm. uh, make sure tissue quality is good for the next day of training. Um, and sure. so, if we can start uh, just doing the simple thing of just foam rolling, uh, mm-hmm. I think would work. Um, Another fix all would maybe move from maybe a cycle, maybe not so much squat cycle, but more of a posterior chain work of hamstrings, RDLs, or even finishing with an RDL mm-hmm. uh, or single leg RDL at the end of a workout can bring back balance again into you know the, yeah. the muscle tissue. Yeah, you know, and I have I have traditionally always been uh, a pretty quad dominant athlete. I, I've always had a, a stronger front side. I, I like my show muscles. My go muscles, you know, whatever. They can, they can hang on, but I like my show muscles. So um, I traditionally have, have always been a little bit, I would consider myself quad dominant and kind of anterior dominant. And uh, one thing that's helped with me in the past when I've had some some knee pain, like going through a heavy Olympic weightlifting cycle and things like that is, is even some like straight leg deadlifts just mm-hmm. afterwards, kind of like higher volume, um, lower weight, just really being kind of intentional with it and getting that big stretch in the hamstring and starting to, uh, to kind of build that hamstring up a little bit more. So it takes a little more brunt of the load when we're, when we're down in those deeper squatting positions and the, the, the kind of really deep range of motion positions. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, and hopefully with our programs, we, we definitely have some balance in what we do. Right. Uh, but we know that sometimes too, if you look at a more CrossFit specific thing, everything is very anteriorly mm-hmm. uh, like dominated. I mean, thrusters, I mean, uh, 
wall balls, uh, sometimes box jumps. People don't throw their hips back, and it's yeah. just more of a quad thing. So, um, you know, I think if people can add a little bit here and there, if they are feeling this pain, uh, you know, through that front of that knee, it's definitely definitely a big plus. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, you know, just in general, you know, like like I know, and I, I yeah, I talked to these guys, and something that Aaron and suggests was, was some more like hip extension type stuff. So laying on your back and squeezing your hips as high as up in the air as you can, basically um, doing some mobilizing the front part of that knee, kind of that traditional couch stretch or doing it on the GHD so we can kind of open up the hip flexors and, and open up the, uh, the front side of the, uh, the quads and, 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 and things like that. Um, and then like, like you said, foam rolling, I think foam rolling, those IT bands are huge. Uh, a lot of times we'll see runners um, that come in and we combine the running with the, the squatting and that sometimes kind of lights our knees up a little bit, gets us a little tight. So if we're super tight in that IT band, um, so just spending a lot of time rolling out those quads, those those IT bands, and then, you know, like, like you said, like doing some good posterior work, whether it be hip extensions, you know, grabbing a 45-pound bar and throwing some... 25s or 35s, depending on on how well you can handle um, kind of that very straight-legged, stiff-legged deadlift, and 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 trying to have some balance with that. Um, and like 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 Aaron said, we definitely try to have a good rotation where we're we're definitely balancing out the uh, the the front side with the back side. I know we're we're like the opposites here, right? So yeah. like I said, I, I feel like when I'm when I'm doing the program, we get a little anterior dominant because that's kind of it's kind of my bread and butter. That's what I always go back to, and and then then Aaron likes to balance me back out with a, a little backside work, a little track and field world. Yeah, yeah, cool, very good, very good. Um, the next question that we had was on um, just kind of the general benefits of of sub maximal work, um, and so uh, just to to get everybody on the same page. When we say submaximal work, we're going to define that as as anything you know. So the easiest way for us to de- define that is percentages, right? So um, having a, a set percentage that we're working off of. Um, we've also, I know, Coach Aaron wrote a, a good article a couple months ago um, saying he kind of wants to throw away the percentages and you know use that more by feel or having some specific. Uh, descriptors, right? Like the weight should be fast or the, the, the weight should, um, it should be a struggle, but you should have two or three left in the tank. So we've kind of described it that way. So we kind of go back and forth and trying to, trying to hit everybody's personalities really, um, as to what, what we can convey in terms of what we want with the specific exercise and how we're going to do it. So, but for the, for just the, uh, kind of the simplicity sake with today, we'll kind of talk in percentages and, and know that actually anything that's submaximal work is basically anything that you're not maxing out at, right? So you're not going in the gym and, and taking yourself to the very 100% limit of, of what you can do um, in your strength work. Um, and so this goes for whether it be CrossFit work where we're trying to go 100% and just go as fast as we can or more in that strength realm where we are trying to see as, how much weight we can put on the bar, Okay. Um, and so, you know, we, you want to have a good balance of, I would say, I like to think of it more like kind of like a three to one balance of like sub maximal kind of skill-based work. And then, you know, uh, 
a third of that or two thirds of that and then a third of of more all right we're gonna like test it out and just see what you can do put the weights on the bar and and, and push it to your limit kind of thing so uh would you agree kind of with the this this to set things out the the definition of what we're what we'd say submaximal work is yeah no definitely i, I think so i mean uh um, you know, and, and I guess even in my mind, I always look at some maximal work just in a sense of like athleticism as being in that like kind of 80 to 90 realm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, granted we use, we use percentages a little bit lower, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll kind of go over some of the, the definitions of those. Yeah. Um, I mean, even right now, I mean, I know we're going through a hatch cycle, uh, through Southside strength and we started off uh, yesterday with some, uh, you know, 50% stuff. And though maybe in a conjugate scheme, a 50-60% would be maybe speed work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, for us, we're using it as a warm-up protocol. So mm-hmm. uh, though the speed should still be good, we're mm-hmm. not completely worried about exploding off the bottom in, in this, hatch, this hatch cycle. Sure, sure. And yeah, and, and so when we say that, you know, uh, like conjugate would be like having a max effort day where you go for your 100% and then on the back side of that say we're going to go 50-60%. And then you're trying to move the bar as fast as you can. So um, you get some rate of force development, um, get a little bit of uh, kind of inner and intramuscular coordination with that. Um, and the intent is to move the bar fast and, and pick up that bar speed as opposed to just grinding through that heavy, heavy weight. Um, and, yeah, so there's, you know, when we look at uh, – so when I look at kind of the sub-maximal work, you know, and we, we define it a lot of times as just skill work as kind of a broad kind of umbrella for everything – uh, I like to think of that as always like it allows you to have intention with what you're doing. So I can I can focus on doing things right, doing correctly, doing biomechanically correctly, um, as opposed to having to put all my mental energy and focus into just getting it up, right, or just getting it done as fast as possible, right. Um, so there's almost like a uh, a mental side of it where. If we're and, and a lot of you guys have, have have heard me tell you this before, if you're maxing out, I don't want you thinking about anything that I've ever told you. I just want you to get the weight up. Sure. Right? I don't want you to put all that mental energy into um, into trying as hard as possible to get that that weight where it needs to be, or to run as fast as possible, or to do your cleaning jerks as fast as possible. If we're doing a workout like Grace or something like that, whereas when we get into this sub maximum work where we're looking at 50, 60. 70 percent you've got you can focus a lot of your mental mental energy on what exactly is happening in the lift okay what where are we activated is the mechanics of the of the movement are are my shoulders and my core in in a good place you know am i kind of like we talked about am i more posteriorly dominant or more anteriorly dominant where's the weight in my feet all that kind of stuff can you can really only work the specifics of those skills if you are at kind of a sub-maximal load for sure, you definitely don't want to be worried about uh, uh, form if you're under right three hundred some pounds or something. Yeah, so, yeah, for a beginner, for sure, absolutely. You know, and then uh, you know, taking a step up from that, from the fifty to sixty percent uh, stuff, and that attention, we then go into what I would say is like that eighty ninety percent. We're working on that neuromuscular system. Uh, when I say neuromuscular system, we're looking for all the motor units, uh, you know, in your muscles to be initiated. If we actually look at most weightlifting, it always starts off where no matter what, we actually do initiate slow twitch fibers. But then once the, the body realizes how much weight we're going, we go into uh, recruiting as many fast twitch fibers as possible. 
the only thing that violates that principle is Olympic weightlifting, and that's a whole other topic. Um, but uh, but yeah, and so we're really looking at uh, tricking the body or tricking the mind, I would say, uh, into being comfortable with heavy weights. We've all heard uh, those crazy stories of the grandma who uh, lifts the car uh, to save her her grandchild. Um, and yes, the human body is capable of that, but we have uh, mechanoreceptors and stuff and uh, Golgi tendons that are in our in our uh, muscles and in our joints that feel tension and that allow us to, it pretty much saves ourselves from breaking off our arms, literally. Uh, and so um, if you really think about it, uh, gaining muscle, we don't really need to gain muscle if you really think about it. We need to almost reprogram our brain into just saying, hey, it's okay to lift heavy weights. That's why when you see low rep ranges and high percentages, uh, chances are you're not going to really gain a lot of hypertrophy off that program. It's a more neuromuscular stimulus. Um, and so that's really what we look at when we're looking at low reps, uh, you know, high percentages of your 1RMs, uh, is really trying to tell the brain, hey, it's okay to lift heavy weight and it's comfortable and then make improvements on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I apologize. I'm a little ADD, but <laughs> when you said the the gold the Golgi tendons and the mechanoreceptors, the mechanoreceptors that's right, yeah. uh, you know, keep you from like breaking your arms off. It just reminds me of the <laughs> Saturday Night Live sketch where it's the All Drug Olympics. And if you haven't seen this, just Google or YouTube the All Drug Olympics, and the guy's about to do like a 500 pound clean and jerk, and and he rips his arms off his body. <laughs> Um, so, so that can give you a very, very graphic visual of what would happen if, if we just let our body do a hundred percent of what it can actually do. Right. Um, so, um, but yeah, and you know, I would on kind of on this front and kind of bringing it back into like the CrossFit realm out of the like strength and Olympic weightlifting realm back in the CrossFit realm, I would say, um, like a guy like Rich Froning is as good as he is is because he can do all the work in a competition like the CrossFit Games and keep it at a sub-maximal effort. Sure. Right? Yeah. So he, you know, he has got such a big base of capacity and he's just a strong dude as well um, that, that he's able to focus intentionally on all these like little details of the skills and if you watch Froning work through the workouts, his his movement quality is on point. For he sure. moves very very well, and and I would attribute that to you know you know what looks like to to maybe just the naked eye as like a guy going all out at it um, in training. If you've ever watched any of the kind of training videos that he he has on the internet, is really him working at like that eighty five to to ninety five percent right, and he's able to focus on breathing. He's able to kind of take care of some of these more specific details through it and make sure that he's moving efficiently as opposed to just going balls to the wall, you know, you know, hitting the blacking out when you're done with it. Right. So, uh, so I think there's a lot to be said, even outside of the, uh, outside of the, the, just the, the strength realm. Um, like I know that when we do like aerobic work or, or lactic work, like we try to do some, some kind of rough, um, definitions of, hey, I want you to go at 85% of this, or I want you to go at like 90%. Um, and we do that because we want people to be kind of intentional with their movement and making sure that they're they're doing things correctly and efficiently. Yeah, and not only that too, but if you look at just the, 
I mean, I really think the, the brunt of strength training in CrossFit and even into strength training in general, though, is through this 80 to 90 percent, um, just for the, the main reason of recovery. Uh, you cannot max out every day. Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, well, I guess you can. You can. You, you can, can max out every day if you're taking steroids. Yeah, so yeah, that that is that is the. <laughs> Those guys and the West Side guys that max out every week and the Bulgarians that, that maxed out, you know. They had a little help. Yeah, they had some help. And the West Side guys for sure will – they are they are pretty blatant about their their performance PED use. They're, they're not shy about that. They'll, no. they'll tell you all about it. Yeah. And so the brunt really needs to be for the, the regular human that's not getting any kind of – uh, pharmaceutical help is uh, <laughs> we need to really do a lot of this 80 90 percent that way we can put a lot of uh, blocks of training right next to each other uh, the last thing you want to do is max out two days consecutive say back squat deadlift and then plus have like a 20 minute metcon on one day and then maybe a hard uh, lactic metcon you know the next day uh, you will be fried um, and so finding a way to get as much work in as possible and then right before fatigue getting good quality high rep or quality like high percentage work in and then recovering uh, and doing that numerous times over a span of months you will gain so much more then than maxing out uh, and trying to maximize your capabilities early on because then you will plateau uh, I think a lot of people need to realize that uh, improvements in this game in CrossFit and in strength need to think long term what's going to set me up for the long term and keep on improving mm -hmm. uh, if I got somebody right now, I know the cheats right now to get you strong and to think you're improving very quickly. The only problem is, is after about six or eight weeks, you're going to look at me uh, and say, what is next? And I might not have anything to tell you other than, hey, you might have to stay at this weight for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's really good to, to think long term and to really build strength up over, uh, over a period of time. Know you're doing it right uh, and not just trying to swing for the fences right off the gate. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's... That's great advice, and that actually kind of leads us into our uh, our next question. Um, and the question was uh, more kind of a, a general statement, just asking us to talk a little bit about goal setting and kind of mentally overcoming plateaus. Um, so uh, for me, I, 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 I like to, you know, I kind of dig into this this kind of stuff. I really, really like kind of the, the, the mental side of not like the mental side of I got to push through this workout, but more of like kind of on a, a longer term effort. How do I continue to like train and, and kind of go in and get the grind and, and stay motivated and do things? And so um, so I think that one, uh, when it comes to, to setting goals, that you have to really understand your personality. I, uh, I have certain athletes that I've worked with that are very type A and they need specific, they like to see specific quantifiable goals that they have on specific timelines. Here, 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 right? Every every three months, every six months, every whatever, right? And they, they need that very specific um, kind of timeline in terms of setting a goal. And they want, want to see specific achievements, results, X, Y, Z. And then you, you look at someone, and I would say I'm more of this, this uh, person where... I less, you know, like having the very structured, like this goal, this goal, this goal, um, doesn't really work that well for me. It doesn't work for my personality. I, I, I got a little bit more of a laid back personality and I like to kind of like dig into the work and just see where, see where the, the training takes me and see where I'm at. If I'm there, I'm there. If I'm not, I'm not. And I try to stay very kind of stress, th stress free through 
through the training because I know that it's always going to kind of continue and I'm always going to be working. Um, so I, I think it's important for you to understand um, your own personality so you can tailor how you set goals or how you um, kind of create these uh, what we'll, we'll call extrinsic motivators. Um, how are you going to create those to, to be beneficial for you? Um, so do you got anything else to kind of say on that front, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I definitely I think the personality definitely dictates uh, how often and how your goal should look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, refreshing your goals, I think, is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think some people come in with this initial, especially my clients, it seems like we come in with this initial, like, maybe movement quality or, uh, you know, we have, like, these kind of very broad goals at first. Um and then we usually try to accomplish them like within about three months. And then from there, sometimes they are in la-la lanks. They don't know what's next. You know, mm-hmm. they probably hit their, their strength goals or their mm-hmm. movement qualities looking a lot better. Uh, and then they need a refresher. I think for, for young athletes or for people that are just getting into CrossFit or trying to improve their CrossFit skills, I think refreshing your goals every three months is great. Uh, and looking at the programming and seeing it. And not only this, too, is that um, – Challenging your coach uh, to get you to that next that mm-hmm. next step. I think goals are great for even me as a programmer of looking at okay, when we accomplish this, the first three months, what are we going to accomplish this next cycle? Yeah. Uh, it keeps me on track and it keeps the client because uh, I really think that coach athlete relationship needs to be uh, need to be on the same page uh, on both you know on their goals and then what the goal of the program is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's that's kind of what I had written down here is. Uh, I think in terms of short-term goals, uh, I think three months is a, a, a good timeline. Um, it's enough time to to actually uh, see some results from a training program, um, and it's you know it's it's kind of that carrot that's dangled out there just just out in front of you enough that uh, that we have some time to put in the work and that we're we don't get too impatient with it. You know, I think that, you know, some people kind of have daily goals. And I think when you look at like a daily goal, that should be uh, kind of more of an abstract ideal. I want to like make sure that I, I, I get my, my foam rolling and stretching in, or I want to make sure that like I maintain a good attitude through my whole training session. Um, I think when you look at, you know, when people, if you're always saying this day, I want to set this PR and this day, I want to set this PR and this day and this, 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 I think that becomes a little bit too months and it all that too much. And it actually kind of becomes counterproductive. Um, one thing that I've, I've kind of adopted, um, through a book that actually Jamie read. <laughs> um, so, um, my wife and I, we, we, we set a three month goal, uh, and then like an 18 month goal. And so the 18 month goal, this is kind of the, you know, that's the bigger, kind of all-encompassing thing where we're saying we want to accomplish a specific thing in 18 months. And for me, I want to uh, qualify for nationals. Um, and so that when I set that goal, it was about 18 months out. And so so I use that to kind of keep me on track and kind of guide what I want to do in terms of my training and, and what I want to do. Because it's easy to get distracted. I mean, I, I think I think there's a lot of things that, that we have going on in the gym and, and kind of just in the fitness industry. And you can kind of dabble in everything and, you know, you can either get stuck in a rut and always doing the same thing over and over again, or you can kind of get in this cycle. And I, I kind of tend to do this in, in having a little bit of kind of program ADD. Well, I, well, I want to do this, and now, now I want to do this, and then I'm going to try to do this, and I'm going to try to do that. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about 
um, sticking to something and, and seeing it through. Um, and and at, while in the process of, of being kind of a well-rounded uh, person and athlete. Uh, so, uh, so that's kind of what, that's what I use in terms of my goals. I, I try to do like a three month goal and uh, an 18 month goal and, and then rinse, wash and repeat. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I think that's great. Um, and also too, when you said about, uh, you know, definitely putting the blinders on. I mean, I think that's another thing too, is that a goal will keep you, focused. I mean, there are going to be ups and downs in a, in a training program. There's no doubt about it. You always have good days. Uh, you might want to rethink of that training program. Uh, you know, you're going to have struggles and I think you need something out there like that carrot to dangle, uh, it's dangled out in front of you to go after. Um, a lot of times success is not, is not, uh, you know, I've always heard it. Even Chad even mentioned, which I thought was interesting is that, you know, he's maybe the only one that just kept with it. Mm-hmm. You know, where a lot of people and his peers and stuff, when he started younger, maybe fell to the, you know, to the side, he kept on trudging forward. Uh, and that's where I think that elite uh, really happens is in the sense of that people that are headstrong in the sense of just always going uh, after the goal and not being deterred from that. Um, and I know here at CrossFit Austin, it's probably a little bit harder because we have programs going like crazy. But uh, I think there's definitely something said to like, um, you know, having laser focus. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, one of the the Rusty Ducks when we were at uh, at the CrossFit Games, he had a funny quote. He said, uh, "He said ninety percent of success is just showing up, and I don't take vacations." So <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, they were talking about how many uh, how many how many patients they could treat in a set amount of time, and so uh, so that was his. Well, Doctor Askey, you guys know Doctor Askey, or some of you, some of you kind of vets know Doctor Askey. He was here at the gym for a while when he lived in Austin, but um, and that is true. He is a very very focused individual, and it, and it shows. Um, and the last thing on this point, now you know, I, I, we're we're 15 minutes over time. I know we're gonna Sharon and Boone are gonna give us <laughs> give us grief for being long long winded today, but I think we've we've had some good information. I, I definitely want to get this this last point in. Um, so goal setting and then also the, the second part of the question was mentally overcoming plateaus in your training. And I think that or I know that no matter who you are, what you're doing, you're going to have some plateaus. You're going to hit some rough spots in training and life, whatever it may be. And so a big thing that I've really been kind of digging into right now is the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And so when we say uh, extrinsic motivators, we're talking about those kind of quantifiable, you know, I want, I want a 200 pound snatch. I, you know, I, I want to get first place in this competition. I want to, you know, I want to, you know, run a six minute mile, whatever it may be. Okay. So as opposed to intrinsic where you just inside your own being, you say, I am doing this because it is a part of kind of my greater plan or my greater um, purpose in life. And so I think it's super, super important for people to kind of sit down and think what intrinsically, why are you training? Why are you coming in here every day and doing this work and, and creating something that, that serves a bigger purpose than just a kind of a fleeting moment, right? Even, you know, even when you, if you win the CrossFit games, you, you get that PR, wherever it is, anybody that's done something or accomplished something, they know that that's, that's kind of fleeting. It's, it's awesome in the moment and you get a lot of intention and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, that's not going to keep on pushing you forward. Right. Um, so, and I see this a lot, you know, you'll look at a guy like Rich Froning, 
um, even like athletes and kind of the uh, like more professional athletes and things like that. And a lot of these guys are very, very kind of deeply religious guys, and they they see the work and the constant grind that they do as a part of this like greater purpose um, to to you know glorify and, and to um, and to to kind of kind of be a part of what they want to do, what their greater mission and it is in life. And I think, you know, it, it doesn't have to be religious. It doesn't have to be that. But I think you have to look and say, hey, what is this journey? What is this? Um, why am I doing this stuff? Why deep down inside me do I want to continue to do this? And and how am I going to use that as my motivator? Not just the next PR, not just the next, you know, you know podium or whatever it may be. And that's, to me, ultimately how you really just sustain a, a good, um, you know, just continue to stay motivated over a long period of time. Would you? No, I definitely agree. I mean, even me personally, from an athletic uh, standpoint of college, I mean, um, I'll be the first one to tell you I'd rather have been a basketball player uh, or something else, but instead I was a runner. And the only reason why I did it was because I was good at it, mm-hmm. you know, and I was so brought up on the success of it and times and all Americans I was so just extrinsically motivated like well that's the only reason why I'm doing it uh, but now here you know and, and, and at the older age you know I still kind of rely on extrinsic motivators but it only lasts I mean you guys see me here you know six eight weeks at stints of working out and then I'm like screw it we're just gonna study all the time uh, you know but now it's going to more of that thing where it's like you know we got bodies and they are capable of so much and as I start digging into more literature of uh how the mind works and stuff it's uh it's amazing to see that you can uh, rewire your mind and expand on certain things not only just intelligence but also too with your body and how it's all interconnected and, and I think that's for me is now the intrinsic motivator is the seeing uh growth uh in that and expanding upon that uh rather than oh who am I beating today you know right, it's more yeah. of like testing the limits of what was genetically given to me uh yeah. you know and, and exploring that and uh, instead of trying to cause pain in myself just to beat somebody, now I'm trying to cause pain to see how deep I can go into uh, certain reservoirs my body has, you know. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's now starting to get me more motivated to to live a lifestyle of working out that I want anyways mm-hmm. rather than going out and like, oh, I'm just going to just, you know, try to beat this guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's fleeting. Yeah, it is. And I, I think that if you talk to anybody that's been successful in, in walks their life, you know, it's it's about you know it's kind of a cliche, but it's it's not about the destination; it's about the journey, and then having a purpose for that journey. Man, it's just so powerful, so powerful. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we'll leave you that with a little food for thought, right? Try to find that extrinsic motivate intrinsic motivator, right? And uh, and uh, and and use that to be the driving force behind you you doing the things that you do. Okay, um, so. That is it. We are 50 minutes. We're under an hour, so we're, we're kind of in the middle ground here. We're getting better. Uh, we got a little spiritual at the end, and hey, that's good. That's part <laughs> of it, right? That's, that's a big part of it. So, um, so I feel like when that question was asked to me, I, I felt like we needed to get that out there. So, uh, so we appreciate everybody listening, and we'll be back in two weeks.